Welcome to Exploring Creativity. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and provide a community for creative people all over the world. On this podcast, we explore a variety of topics with a multifaceted group of creative people. We explore these topics in hopes of broadening your perspective and giving you the tools you need to do your very best work. Today, I'm speaking with Lane Banning. Lane is a studio owner and music producer. Together, we explored presenting ideas, giving and getting feedback, and so much more. It was a great conversation with a great friend, and I'm super excited for you to hear it. Hello. Hello. Hey, man. How are you? I, you just completely tripped me out by liking that comment. I have no idea. What was that, like five years ago? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was trying to dig up an archived post I had, and that is hilarious. I actually wanted to read this for people that are, are joining. I have um, no idea what that's like, no idea. Not even a figment, but I just saw it 10 seconds before logging on here. And I was, yeah. yes, this is. Can't wait for people to hear these songs and for the interactive coral reef sex scene in the music video. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is on the internet. That is officially there. Um, out there. You know, I dug up this post because I wanted to see, I knew I posted a photo of you at one point and I wanted to see what I had written in hopes that maybe it would inspire uh, the conversation or at least remind me of sort of the collaboration we had, which was in 2015. So like okay, a whole lifetime ago, basically. Um, Several, yeah. A lifetime plus 2020 ago. Um, so, you know, I, I'm going to, kind of dive into it right away because there's a lot I want to cover and I'm super excited about it. Um, thank Great. you for joining, by the way. Uh, for having me. You know, so what I wrote here, so this was from a series of posts that I was making when the uh, record Bloom, that was my first record I really ever made solo, um, came out and I was kind of going through the list of people that had worked on it or helped in some way. And obviously Lane uh, had done a lot to help. And so this is the, the caption from the post of a photo of him in the back smoking a cigarette, which I think we did too much of, to be honest, with in looking back. <laughs> probably, probably, so. probably not the best thing um, for either of us. But I mean, I, stopped, I don't know about you. Are you still smoking or not? I'm not, no. Right. I did get wildly addicted to the jewel though, and much more than I had ever been addicted to cigarettes and, and then quit that. So, uh, and I'll say that that was much harder because that thing is, I mean, we can get into the product design aspect of that. I'm sure that's a conversation we can have at some point. It's actually why I put, brought you on today. <laughs> Talking about the yeah. jewels for a bit. Um, yeah. So, but anyway, this is a picture of Lane smoking a cigarette, looking at me. I think I was swarming on some bench in the back we'd be out there kind of in between takes and in between songs captured this photo <clears throat> but the caption says lane banning has helped bring bloom to life by inspiring me and encouraging me at every step of the recording process he has brought out some of my favorite vocal lines and helped make these songs way more listenable than they ever would have been thanks for the solid talks about pop music making me laugh before nearly every vocal line for Chinese food and sending me pictures of snakes that look like penises. Um, and I think, <laughs> which I think happened more than twice. Um, probably so. Yeah. But I read that and I was thinking, um, 
today, you know, there's three sections of this book that I'm working on. So one is about the self, one is about the work, and one is about other selves. Um, really a section on create, uh, collaboration and working with other people. I think collaboration gets bundled up to mean a whole bunch of things. But when I was thinking about guests to have on and topics that I wanted to talk about, I felt like collaboration would be an appropriate one for us, being that you and I have collaborated in the past on, on work. It was one of my earlier and definitely fun uh, collaborative experiences. And, you know, here I even wrote about sort of the highlights of why I think your involvement made the record better. So um, I have six different topics. I'm going to let you choose whichever one you want to start with. Uh, the goal would be to cover as many as we can, but I'm going to read them to you and you tell me where you want to start. Ideally, let's choose the one that you feel least comfortable speaking about and we'll find our way through it. So um, collaboration is one. Competition, feedback, relationships, um, language, and options. And so language and options, I'll just clarify. Language being like, the language that's developed among peers, among collaborators, and options are about presenting and discovering other options for the work that um, is being created, sort of going about that, sort of related to feedback and, and that sort of thing. Huh, I, I'd say I'm probably um, equally uncomfortable with all of them, but let's go with options. Great, okay, it's a good option. No Thank you. And, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So options are an interesting one for me. Um, and I actually just spent a weekend with two friends helping them produce music. So um, they're in a group called Rose Colored World, and we were working on a new track. We haven't collaborated since, or me and Addison is one of the members of the group. Uh, we played music together in high school uh, and all throughout all throughout high school and and like half of college. I haven't seen him write music since then um, and since being in a band together. So he's, you know, since taken that path of writing songs and um, I have have not. I've worked on a few records and uh, of my own, helped with uh, a track with Greg, you know, few kind of involvements in, in music, um, but I've done a lot in design collaborations. So for me in my experience with design, it was like, I was always looking for, and this is this talk is exploring creativity. The book might even be called that. That's sort of the direction I'm heading. Um, I was always exploring creativity from like multiple vantage points, one of which being, how do you even come up with an idea? Like, is there a way of sort of making an idea? Um, where does it come from? How could it be a little less magical, but equally as potent? And then when you land on an idea, why is that the one? And are there better ones? Like now that you've kind of put the stake in the ground, like where can you go from there? You know, can you uh, do something a little more of this or less that? And so options to me might be folded into another chapter, but maybe not. I think this idea of like idea generation, presenting that idea generation, um, exploring that and pushing people as a producer, which you are like to, um, in case you forgot, I just wanted to remind you, um, you know, every day. <laughs> um, how do you help people explore those options and, and mm -hmm. how do you know where to kind of push and pull? Um, so yeah, it's a long story. I was talking about Addison and Ray and their group Rose Colored World because we started working together 
um, this weekend to write a song. And one of the things I was really interested in exploring for them being that they usually write the two of them together and they're in that flow. It's like, how do I disrupt this flow without being, without breaking things? You know what I mean? Um, finding that fine line and how do I encourage uh, optionality um, early into the process to avoid kind of getting um, fixed on an idea, but instead encourage the multitude of ideas before kind of landing on one. Um, but I would love to hear you riff on on that. I think hopefully that clarified options a little bit more. So where do you sit with that? How do you, you know, how do you do? Rather than clarified, say that it completely dropped an atom bomb on the word and blew it up into <laughs> smithereens, but in the best way possible. Um, yeah, because there's so many different angles that uh, you brought up. And I think, you, yeah, it really, um, you really came at it from the vantage point that I kind of have dissected it, which is really to say that this is one of the things as a producer, I think is like, um, uh, it's one of those things that's, that requires a very fine touch when dealing with people to, to kind of like investigate and, and curate and nurture. Um, but there's like a really, I guess when I say fine touch, there's like, what I'm trying to say is there's a fine line, a very subtle and fine line between doing it in a nurturing way and, and just being a completely heavy handed dickwad when working with people. So it's like, um, yeah, the, because the, like, for instance, um, there, there are any producer who's like a producer writer like myself and, um, has been in a, a billion situations where they're, they're working with a artist. And they feel like maybe, for instance, uh, you know, there's like a, a lyric in a song that could be better. Mm. And um, how you go about that is so important because there's a way to do it, which I have done many times, uh, which is on the, certainly on the heavy handed side of the spectrum where you uh, create, you know, you say, hey, you know, let's maybe change this line up or something, you know, something like with bring it up with relatively like no tact or something mm -hmm. like, Hey, I think we can get a better line for this. And like, you will just immediately cut off the entire creative process and, and so distrust with the, with the artist and, and just like really, uh, uh, create a wall between you and, and, and the, the person's not only their art and, but their willingness to evolve with you or build something together that, that could be bigger than what it is mm. just like in the point a when, mm. that, it, that it was when they brought it to you. So I think as a producer, you have to do that a lot to figure out how to not do it mm. um, and how to do it in a better way where you might, you know, uh, cr almost gamify it more. That's kind of a technique I use sometimes in order to, um, avoid saying, Hey, this is bad. Let's do a better one. You know, it, it, it's such a more engaging and interactive process to rather, um, kind of say, Hey, let's, uh, you know, um, I'm, I have this, this line maybe gives me these kind of feelings. Let's do an experiment and let's, let's riff off of that and kind of, you know, play a game and work on a, several different ideas that that might bring us and just see what happens, you know, cause at the end of the day, I'm a, 
um, like you, I think, uh, a, a very systematic type thinker. And, mm. um, when I think that I'm right about like, you know, Hey, this lyric isn't really inspiring me. I mean, on one side, the artist is, is hiring me for that reason. Mm. Ideally, you know, that's the whole reason I'm there, but, but we're dealing with like a fragile thing, which is, you know, our, all of our, um, uh, it's, it's our lives, you know, the, the art is, is so intertwined with who we are that, uh, you know, it, it, you have to really, you have to respect that that person, you know, if they were in your shoes, maybe they would be able to see what you're seeing, but, but they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're their own people. And like perspective is everything with, with these things. So, um, yeah, all that to say, I mean, I, I, I've learned from some really great producers who, um, you know, have some different approaches to this, um, where sometimes, you know, it's just like, uh, like in the, the, the pop and hip hop world, when, when it's more of like a collaborative writing production session, I, I've worked with some people who are just so fast on the, you know, with their tools that we'll have like a great, what I think is a great idea. I'll be sitting on the couch working on some melodies or whatnot. And the person's like at Ableton or something and, and we'll have what I think is a good idea. And then before we were even able to kind of, um, dissect it or dig into it, maybe that person have, has already grabbed a little piece of it and created a completely different thing out of mm. it. So it's like the speed mm. at which you're moving is also, a um, a factor in mm. that, but, but, um, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to do it, but ultimately I think and I'm, I'm kind of babbling and forgetting where we even started on this already, but like, I think ultimately a big part of that question is just, um, you know, options can be a, a way to make something a little bit more objective when it comes to art. I think when mm -hmm. it, when it comes down to like what I was talking about with, uh, you know, taking a, exploring some new directions, whether that's for a single line, whether it's for a whole pre-chorus, whether it's for a whole song, whatever, um, you know, in my, the way my mind works, um, I, I really like options as a way of like, Hey, let's just make a bunch of shit. Let's throw the ink on the canvas and, and then like see, um, which we like better, you know, if we stack them up against e each other, but as we all know, it's not that objective, you know, that that's like right. an ideal kind of like theoretical way of looking at it, but mm -hmm. that can't always be possible. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like a balance between that approach and, and balancing the, um, you know, trying to see where the artist is coming from and, and maybe, maybe there's a way that we can all kind of like be super inspired by the thing that we're doing. And that, that's the goal, you know, and right. kind of like trying to see where, where the, um, weakest links might be in terms of like, you know, Hey, this can be more inspiring. This can make us all like think, and hopefully we can all agree that like we, we can all, um, you know, we, we should all be excited by every little part of this thing we're making. Mm -hmm. And if, we're, if any of us aren't, then let's keep working on it. I have a few questions for you. Uh, love what you said. I, I think, um, there are so many factors and you're absolutely right. There's no like one way to approach this situation. Uh, sometimes ideally optionality makes things more objective, like you said, but sometimes 
people want to be subjective or they can't get out of that subjective state. It's emotional. It's very close to them. And, um, they don't, they may not even see you as, Hey, this is, um, I'm here. The reason that, that lanes in the room is to, to provide that object, um, objectivity, you know what I mean? And provide those options as a result. But instead, um, you're saying, you know, sometimes they want you to just, uh, go with them down this emotional journey, be as subjective as possible. And so knowing where and when more importantly, and the pace in which is appropriate. So really the context, uh, what context makes sense to be more objective versus more subjective. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so a question I had, you used the word better at one point and I have a chapter, I believe it's called better, best, and, um, shit. Best speaking of other destructive words. Um, and <laughs> I want to hear your take on what better means. Because I'm reading a really great book right now, and, and something that they said was one of the sort of blockers of conversation is when someone uses a word that they're encoding with tons of meaning, but the decoding of that can be problematic. So, for example, if you're like, hey, I don't, I think this could be a lot better. And I'm like, did he just say I'm the worst singer ever? Or did he totally. say that there's another line here or whatever? So, how do you look at better? When do you feel like, what do you mean by that? How, how, how would you decode it? Yeah. Great question. And, and it's a great call out not to check myself. Cause I, I, looking back, I think I used that in my example of the, how to not do it, <laughs> how to not bring up that. And, and, um, but you know, we, uh, none of us are perfect. So there's a, definitely a world where the best producer in the world, there, there it is again, the word. <laughs> Good, bad, right. and better, but yeah, like yeah. you know, when I, I try really hard to not use those words in regards to the art because it's it it is it's 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 wrong. Yeah, it's, it shouldn't be used because there is no best better when it when it comes to um, subjective things that are meant to evoke feelings. You know, it's like if I was to dissect it, it would be you know like uh, the more important concept to me would be. Um, Hey, you know, this, this line is, you know, I, I just, I, I think it can like evoke more out of me, or right? I think it can, it can make me feel more, you know, or, or it can like, yeah. I mean, but it's so easy to just say, uh, I think this can be better. And I don't think that that's wrong yeah. in some contexts. It, it's mm -hmm. more of like, it relies on the context where Definitely. you're saying that you can say that in a space with someone else where it's not going to be interpreted in a way that they'll think that you're <laughs> insulting them. Um, right. But on the flip side of that, if it's someone like, you know, if it, it, I think like an example of that is if you're starting from scratch in a room with someone um, working on a song and writing some lines, you know, you might say, Hey, uh, you know, this, this is like a little, like this, this feels like a little bit of a placeholder. Let's just go with it for now. And we'll maybe swap it out later and see if we can come up with something else. Um, but compare that with someone bringing you a song that they, they wrote 10 years ago mm -hmm. in a very fragile state of their life, life. And, and, uh, I mean, if you just say, Hey, uh, yeah, I think this line could be better. I mean, it's just so flippant, right? Right. You know, it, it, it 
Um, it really requires, you know, and, and that's what I think, I, I think we've talked about this, but like, I mean, my favorite part about the role of producer is actually more of the like psychologist aspect of it more so than the, you know, making beats aspect of it, you know, that's fun, but it means nothing to me yeah. without the human element, the, the, like, let me get to know this person. I mean, and that's the story, you know, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's ultimately we're making stories together. And, um, of course there's like the, the hit aspect of it and that, that's fun. That's a little game to play, but, uh, <laughs> trying <laughs> happy to be, I mean, that's, that's really the relationship I enjoy having with all my friends and not to say that mm -hmm. I'm not being therapized equally by, by the artists I'm working at. I just think that it's something that I enjoy. Um, like, you know, I listened to this podcast, uh, I, I kind of discovered it recently called like, is the, and the writer is with mm -hmm. Ross Golan. He starts off every episode by saying, you know, uh, I think it's a, a wonderful pitch. He says like, Hey, you know, uh, I've written a lot of songs. I work with a lot of people and the first hour of every session where we're just catching up and hanging out is my favorite part. Yeah. And I really connect with that. I mean, that, that's, that's really the truth, whether it's, whether it's writing, whether it's producing, whether it's just, you know, having a vocal production session. I mean, it's, I, I, that's, that's my style and that's not for everyone, but that's, um, I think it's really important. I think it's why we bonded really closely. I don't, I don't think we yeah. could have made the record together that, that we did for you with, without doing a relatively deep dive into like, what the hell is this record even about? You know, cause how am I supposed to help mm. if I don't know, mm. you know, that that's the kind of, I guess, you know, relatively deep level approach I try to take, uh, if I'm doing a good job or want to be doing a good job. So this, this is great. I'm, I'm so happy to have you on, man. Honestly, this is, uh, <laughs> like what? It, it feels like a full circle moment in many ways. Um, so it seems like as though what you're, what you're saying, um, is that the ability to like actively listen and actively present ideas is sort of the part of the creative process that you really like. That's sort of the part you're drawn to, to be able to like, um, help someone realize like, Hey, I, I, I've heard you fully. And what I'm presenting is a reflection of that is sort of the therapist role in, in the creative process. Um, I want to zoom out one layer. So we're kind of zoomed into like, you're in the room options. How do we get there? One to not da, 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 da. I want to step out one layer, which is, um, finding these relationships, nurturing them, vetting them, you know, how do you know, um, this is going to be a good collaboration or not? Or do you have a sense of that now, like early on, sort of what are you looking at? What are you kind of poking and, and prodding for to know like if this will be a suitable, productive, um, actually, let me not put words in your mouth. What are you looking for in a collaboration? And then how do you kind of assess and know that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, something that, um, uh, I'd like to say that I'm good at it, but, um, I think one can't always, it's, it's futile to try to predict that. So more often than not, I'm just, you know, it, it takes less, less time and energy to just hop in and just try something and with relatively low stakes, you know, instead of jumping in and saying, Hey, let's do a 15 track album, <laughs> you know, let's just try to like make something and see what the vibe is. 
I think that I've gotten a lot better at just reading people's uh, creative uh, kind of, um, you know, just, just reading how the collaboration aspect might, might go, you know, based mm -hmm. on having lunch, you know, I think yeah. that that's something I've gotten better at, um, in, you know, in like 15 years of doing this, you know, I think I've like reached the point right. of like being pretty decent at, at vetting that. But, but at the same time, you know, I mean, th there's the aspect of like trusting your gut there, which I think is very important. Um, but there's also the, like the aspect of there's so many other factors. I, I think I, I remember you kind of talking about the concept of hierarchy, I think with, uh, with Greg in your mm -hmm. talks and, and kind of like, you know, that what somebody might be a really great guitar player and the other person might not be a very good guitar player, but you know, there's, that's not the, the one criteria there's a billion criteria. Yeah. So it really, for me, it's like lately, um, you know, there, there's, I'm trying to just see it for all the different, um, for the, the different criteria that exist. And, and some of those are songwriting ability. Some of them, some of that is vocal ability. Some of that is, is, mm. um, you know, instrumental talent. Some of it is hard work. Some of it is, um, marketing. Some of it is like business acumen. There, there are so many different criteria to judge. And it's my job as someone who doesn't have a manager in that specific world, you know, in the, in the world of like doing my A&R for me, you know, like I'm my own A&R person. So it's my job to kind of like, look at, look at all these things and just make a, a judgment call. Like, do I want to go down this path with this person, take this, start, start this journey or do a trial run or run for the hills and <laughs> like, right. what's my, what do I do? And, and, and that's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all, uh, a, a, they all counterbalance against each other. But at the end of the day, if I was to sum it all up, I'd say that, um, they all are, all these criteria are important. Um, but like, they're all kind of weighing against like, do I just think this person is a good person? And like, do I want to collaborate with this person? And uh, the longer I do this, the longer I live, the longer I work in music or ever, anything, the more I'm realizing the importance of just like, do I just fuck with this person? You know, it's like, we can, we can right. do the music thing. We can, I have enough people on the team that we can, we can make it good, but like, it's all about the people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you just mentioned team when you're assessing team members to bring on, this is obviously people that will be committed for a longer period of time that you're gonna have to get in, really get into the trenches with, be able to, you know, disseminate information to, et cetera. How are you making that? Um, I wrote hierarchical assessment in real time, which is ultimately what it seems as though you're doing is like, you know, there's all these attributes and you're like looking at a person at lunch talking, not, you know, being a psycho of like, all right, are they hitting all these boxes? But you're making this assessment without even realizing it. Someone in the thread wrote um, gut trust and sort of the gut being this, um, this widespread assessment of different attributes uh, that are happening in real time without kind of uh, overanalyzing it. Yeah. Uh, With team members, how are you doing that? 
Are you looking for different things or does it start the same? Same, same thing. And I, I think like I'll take a page out of Gary V's playbook on this one. And, you know, one of my favorite things that he said, and this is I, totally on the business side, you know, and, yeah. and, and this is like, we're, we're not talking just about business here, obviously, because the mm -hmm. business of art. So mm -hmm. already it's a billion times more complicated and fucked up, but mm -hmm. like the, it, like it's, I think it's less, uh, I agree with him in that it's way less about having perfect instinctual skills on mm -hmm. that than just not being afraid to, to, to call it out when there's problem and, and mm -hmm. whether that means fire somebody or just like, you know, part ways or, or address it and see if you can fix it first. It's just, it's, it's way less in my opinion about, um, curating and picking and cherry picking the perfect team at, at step one as just, you know, doing the, the right thing by the concept of why you want to even have a team in the first place and make sure that it's working every step along the way, because it evolves too. people. It's, it's, it's my, oh, if I was to, you know, try to make it perfect, obviously you're always trying to do the best thing and make the right decisions and it, but like people change too. Right. You know, it's right. not building a supercomputer. I wish it was, it would be yeah. a lot easier for people mm. who have my brain to <laughs> like, to, to yeah. do it if, if that was the case, but it's not, it's not the way that humanity and culture works. And, mm. um, I think that that's why I like, you know, I, I always kind of like think to myself, you know, cause I, I, I have a, uh, passion for not only the culture of music and the art of music, but also like business, you know, and I always kind of think like how rich I could be if I worked this hard and anything that's like more objective or like, you know, right, right. If I was a consultant at like Deloitte or something, you know, but it's like, I'm just not interested in that. You know, I'm interested in this because it's so messy because it's mm -hmm. so mystical and hard and it's, it's a challenge, but it's the only thing I really the only things I really fucking care about is, are the things <laughs> money bags. <laughs> it's Greg. Um, yeah, that's just, I, I'm, I'm only interested in these things because like they give, they give purpose to, to my life. So, mm. uh, I'll take all the difficulties along that path. Um, but, but yeah, to go back to your original question, it's just, it, it's the same. It's exactly the same, whether I'm picking a person who I, I want to work with on a team or picking someone I want to work with on like a project level basis or like a kind of a, like a artist producer kind of relationship. It's all the same. It's just people. Yeah. So it's like knowing, doing that, that hierarchical assessment in real time, AKA gut instinct, um, uh, view of someone and then knowing what to say, okay, this isn't working. And then being able to assert and explain and communicate to the other person where it's, uh, where it's going wrong, how to course correct if it can be. Yeah. And it makes sense that people are generally really bad at that because, um, yeah, it's a lot easier to say, Hey, let's do this thing. Like I'm super, I'm excited, like jump on right. board, let's start working. It's a lot easier and more fun to do that than sit down and say, Hey, this, you know, this isn't working. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it sucks, but you got to do it. And, um, something that I'm getting better at, but I'm 
not, it's not like, wouldn't list that in the top 20 things I'm good at by any means. Yeah. <laughs> it's Cause it's, it's hard, but I, I'm right there with you. I think, um, assertive communication skills are, are easily at a probably point zero one, uh, <laughs> on a scale of zero to 10. Um, yeah. I'm actually reading a book right now about that. It's called people skills. Um, okay. And it's one of the most incredible books on working with people, communication, listening, speaking, but also on the cover, it's about, um, speaking, listening and asserting. Um, mm -hmm. and it's been really helpful thus far, but I'm interested to see kind of their take on it from a PhD therapist perspective of, um, you know, how, how does one assert, do you have any examples, any tips in the moment right now of things that you found have been very effective, uh, when they needed to, uh, be asserted mm. or is it just difficult right now for you either way? I think it's just always been, been difficult and probably will always be relatively difficult. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, the only real, to be, to be quite honest about it, uh, I mean, when it, it, it comes down to me, like usually this is when I, when I look at the, the fact that I have to do something like that, mm. uh, and sit down and talk to somebody in a real way, like. The way that I, that the thing that helps me is, is I think twofold. It's like one, it really helps when I look at it, like I owe this conversation, not only to myself, but to mm -hmm. this person, this other person, because we're all just human beings. And if something's not working, um, you know, more often than not, this is a, a, a situation where I'm coming at it from the, either the yeah, the, the perspective of the person who's like has a leadership role in the position. So it's like mm -hmm. by not bringing it up, I'm actually being a shitty leader, you know? And, mm -hmm. and that's like that, that expands the responsibility aspect beyond just like my own mm -hmm. personal strengths and like what I'm comfortable with. And, and that really helps, you know, I think that we all have responsibilities in life. Um, big or small, how, how much we are kind of like managing and what or who or how we're being managed. Um, so, you know, but, but I mean, that's, that's an important thing, but really it's like on a personal level also, it's just it, if I'm getting this sense, then this person's also getting this sense. Mm -hmm. You have to trust that gut feeling when you're someone who thinks that you have some level of instinctual feelings about this. There's the sensing it side and then there's the acting on it side. Mm -hmm. And if you're mm -hmm. sensing it, mm -hmm. it's there. Stop thinking, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, and easier said than done, but being able to cut those, slice that apart in, into those two things is like, you know, there's, that's the, the cutting off the analytical side mm -hmm. because, uh, I tend to like overanalyze things. So like, if I just say to myself, listen, I'm just going to stop the analysis there so I can execute on this and, and go forth and do the thing, then it makes it a lot easier. It's also makes it easier to say, okay, well, I owe it to this thing that I've built. I owe it to my personal life. I owe it to my creative career. All these mm -hmm. things are bigger than myself sometimes. So yeah, just, just being able to, um, 
look at it from that perspective, it, it makes the difficult, messy, interpersonal side of it uh, less. Mm, I love that. Love that. Um, I think as creative people, we are honing and are, are kind of tasked with honing the subjective, emotional side of things. And therefore, our sensitivity levels need to be dialed in to find the things that were subjective, that are subjective in this world, and then um, present them to the world in a way that reflects that level of sensitivity. So because of that, and because of that sensitivity, we actually have an incredible way of sensing, intuiting, gut instincting <laughs> um, these things. Mm -hmm. almost to your point, to a fault where yeah. we're sensing it so deeply that like now I'm angry about it or I'm sad about it or I'm all of those things about it and more, um, but I'm not acting on it. I'm just so yeah. deeply in that, in that emotional state. Um, yeah. So I love that idea of like the creative mind, great at sensing how, but at that knowing when to cut that off and say, there's a difference between sensing it and acting on it. Um, being empathetic is something everyone wants to be. Uh, and feeling as though you're sensing someone is great. You're, you're improving that, uh, some forms of empathy, but knowing when to stop and say, okay, but what are we doing with these emotions that, that I'm sensing or I'm having yeah. or I'm sensing you're having or whatever? Um, and cutting to the, uh, cutting the analysis, like you said. Um, I think that's great. That's a really great point. And I think that makes the assertion part a little bit easier because in a way you might be able to navigate that better of like, all right, I don't want to, if they're having these three emotions right now in real time, I don't want to make those peak. You know, I want to either keep it sustained or help them minimize it or wait for them to, for those emotions to go away to then bring that thing up. Um, it sort of gives, you know, a, a, a way of sort of navigating it. Uh, the sensitivity does. Um, related to that, I want to talk about feedback. So those things are very similar, though slightly different. You're not kicking someone off the team, um, but you are asserting some ideas. We touched on this idea of better and best. We talked about, um, you know, asking for options and we kind of touched on feedback a little bit, but um, I'd love to hear you riff on feedback and the role it plays in the creative process for you. Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, the, a, a beautiful thing about the word feedback is it doesn't really have a connotation, good or bad. Yeah. That doesn't imply whether you're giving or receiving good or bad feedback. I mean, you know, praise does obviously, you know, but, yeah. Yeah. um, but that's not really what feed feedback to me has a, more of an implication of, um, unbiasedness. And, uh, you know, I think it's very important to give and receive feedback. Well, um, we were just talking about this actually in like, uh, you know, as in the, our moon team meeting yesterday, we were kind of like analyzing our, um, mixed packages and, and the way that we, uh, 
how the way that we deal with feedback with our, with our clients, the way that we uh, set up feedback, the way that we even kind of, uh, I guess, like can, can preemptively sculpt the feedback, the, the nature of the feedback can Mm -hmm. be the thing that entered in like feedback as like the concept of like a feedback loop. I think it exists in this world a lot because it's, you can just sit back and wait for somebody to give you feedback, but you can also kind of, um, preemptively, um, shape that feedback or at least the style in which the feedback is given. And that can really affect the outcome in important ways. And that brings it back to what we were discussing a little bit before in the more interpersonal aspects of something like feedback, which I'm as I think as, as I get more experienced in this world of working, not just being better at my crafts, but also working with people and learning more about people. I'm, I'm learning these things, you know, you can, you can really affect the ultimately just the, the success of something either in the real world or at, at least in the, the, um, your client's eyes or your artist's eyes or your collaborator's eyes or whatever. It's like the success is both external, like where it goes once you're, once you put it out there, but also just like in the the process and, and in the, mm-hmm. how happy everyone is with the process, how fun and easy and adventurous the process was. And feedback is a huge part of that whole process. So, you know, learning to kind of, uh, I guess, nurture the feedback process is really mm-hmm. important to me. And we, we made some big strides in the way that we, we deal with that, um, you know, at, on the more, um, uh, client based side of our business. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's important. It's, it's hard. Like it's, it's the same thing that we were just talking about, I think, because sitting down with someone and talking about something that's not working, that's mm-hmm. feedback, you know, yeah. uh, it's all feedback, every, everything, a lot of things that we're communicating to each other, our feedback, it's even feedback when we're not, you know, there's feedback coded into things that aren't feedback. They don't sound like feedback or look like feedback. You know, it's, 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 it's like the, the, like, if it walks like a duck and looks like a duck and sounds like a duck, like it could not be any of those things and still kind of be a duck in terms of feedback. So, um, yeah, it's really, it's really important. And I think ultimately I view it just the same as like the whole of communication. I I think that they're. Mm -hmm a lot of, in a lot of ways, they're, they're one and the same. Um, and yeah, like, however, wherever you want to bring that conversation, I'm, I'm game for it. Cause like, you know, there's the, the, it exists in like the world that I know that, that you're kind of heavy in, in, like in the kind of engineering world in the mix world. And like, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's something where feedback is a little more, can be a little more objective when you're working with clients and you can set up systems for it and have a little bit more rigidity around the the pragmatic kind of uh use of feedback mm-hmm. and role of feedback but it it's also there's also feedback in the most creative and uh least rigid 
things in, in art and life also. Yeah, it seems as though it's like there, there's feedback of two forms or feedback around two different types of forms. There's the objective forms and there are subjective forms. Giving feedback to an objective form is easier, may, um, can be easier and definitely easier to understand. Hey, the light's not on. Can you turn it on? It's like not mm -hmm. that difficult to comprehend or this system we have set up is broken. Um, but the subjective feedback is where it can get tricky. Like we were talking about earlier, um, that's where the messiness of the creative process comes in. How do you give um, subjective feedback to someone in a way that uh, will be received? Um, uh, a podcast that I'm a part of called Conversations, uh, I'm one of the hosts, we were talking about this on our last episode about timing of feedback. So like, I sent out a, um, an outline of the book to the conversations team right before I was about to watch a movie. Um, and so I was getting feedback at the worst possible time for me. And so it was subjective feedback that I was receiving, but I wasn't in a state to receive it. Um, so um, I'm wondering what other kind of things you're looking at when you're assessing, um, appropriateness of subjective feedback at any moment. So when you were sitting with your team, was that something that was being discussed or was it more objective feedback? We were discussing more of like higher level, like the systems of feedback that we're using mm -hmm. as a whole, not really, we were using examples of like particular projects, but more so yeah. trying to take those examples and then expound on them to the greater concept of how we work with feedback, how we direct feedback, how we set ourselves up to receive the feedback. I mean, one of the big concepts is, um, <clears throat> like, uh, I, I, I think that you can kind of almost curate your own feedback and make a process, uh, better for a client. If you kind of like, uh, proactively, um, ask questions, you know, you, it, it, it's, you can kind of like guide, not in a manipulative way, but you can guide their feedback by trying to like, it, it, trying to, uh, anticipate where they, where their feedback might be most important to the thing. Uh, and I think that's really important and ultimately if you look at it on a high level, it's like, if you're being hired to like, let's just use like mixing as an example. Cause it's, I think, uh, you know, a, a kind of right in the middle of like really clear cut and also really creative. Um, you know, if, if you, if you're mixing a record and you say, Hey, you know, this is sounding really great. Um, wanted to know your feedback on like, you know, I, I was, I, I have two different options here. One with like a di slightly different vocal effect than the other really curious what you think about, uh, you know, which direction you might want to go in, you know, you're not, you're, you're kind of like directing their ears to what you think as the person who's been tasked with fulfilling their vision on the sonics of this art, um, to where you think that it might be most useful, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, uh, it's the same concept as why, you know, like, like I don't do attended mixes because it's not because I'm worried about somebody looking over my shoulder and seeing what plugins I'm using. It's because 
I know that that's not ultimately good for the thing. And mm. uh, because I, I know that they're going to, their ears are going to be fatigued and they're not going to be, be able to give me an objective answer. They're not going to know what's what by the end of like, you know, five hours into a mix, they're not going to be useful. So even if it might fulfill their ego wanting to, to do something like that, mm-hmm. it's ultimately not going to be good for the thing. Now that's the hard, hard as rocks answer to that. But like when I discuss that with a potential client or a client, it's like, obviously I have to, um, I, I try to, um, soften the communication around that. And, and we, I obviously like, I really do love a certain amount of, uh, attendedness in the process, but, but ultimately it's my job to try my best to get the best thing possible. The secondary thing, like right under that is making the process as fun and enjoyable for the, 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 the artist. And sometimes they're tied, you know, sometimes one beats the other one out. It really depends on context, but yeah, that's the, if, if I was just looking at the whole, that's kind of the way that I view that generally that might change. Uh, but you know, the, the, um, I think, yeah, the, the feedback that you are kind of like, you're kind of like, as the person doing a certain task or job, it's like, it is your responsibility to garner the feedback or the type of feedback or the style of feedback or the context of the feedback. So it's like, you know, the, it's kind of that situation, like where if you don't do something like that to try to curate it or, or figure out the, the style, it's like, you're, you still are, you're still doing that. You're just, uh, succumbing to whatever is like the way that you're doing it without thoughtfully doing it, you know? So it's, it's like a lot of things in life. It's like, you can walk around and like, you know, think that you're not, uh, evoking a certain like energy either which way, but you, you are because Mm -hmm. there's everything has to come off a certain way. So that's a really poor way of, uh, uh, like, uh, describing that thought. I'll have to think of a better way of that, but, but yeah, it's just like, be proactive, be active. That's, that's the way that I I try to live that part of the uh, professional and creative life. Uh, I like a lot, uh, a lot of what you're saying here. So feedback is a very broad concept. You started by talking about like setting up, encouraging, uh, feedback, the nature of feedback or the style of feedback, sort of those two things. Like, how do you set up feedback? How do you encourage people to give it? Um, I think the layer above that is intentionality. So how intentional, like what is the intent of getting this feedback in the first place? Is it like to just know whether they gut instinct like it or not, period? Uh, Is it to get that and then dive deep into what it is? So like you kind of priming yourself for the kind of feedback you want at this phase and then um, setting up an environment for them where you're priming them to give that kind of feedback. Whether that's, I like to do it very um, on the nose uh, when getting feedback. It's like, hey, I'm looking specifically for this. There will be a time where we're breaking things down with more detail, but right now it's really just like, how are you feeling about this thing? Is it here or there? Um, 
And then, okay, cool. Maybe that's all I need at one phase or maybe the phase, maybe there's multiple phases happening in a day. So it's being intentional, priming yourself, priming the other person, um, understanding what the nature of that feedback is, uh, what you would like it to achieve. Um, you talked about knowing when to give the feedback. So like, what's the right time to do that? Is it uh, uh, during a live mix session or is it after the fact? Um, you also talked about the related options in feedback, which I liked because we talked about options earlier. So um, <clears throat> I found that the way you, you were using it is that options allow you to take subjective feedback hmm. and make it a little more objective because if you have two different ideas, two different uh, versions of a song, let's say, that's objective, it's A or B. Yep. Um, though it's about a subjective thing. So that kind of allows you to kind of um, get around the subjective, messy part of uh, creative work and saying, okay, here's two options. Where are you leaning to kind of help them calibrate? It primes them, it primes you. It also might lead to an answer. Um, so it allows uh, that. And then um, you talked about sort of this... Um, you know, uh, the floodgate of feedback that you can get when you're not intentional. Um, so, you know, going into it, having not done anything, I just listed off, you are open to getting anything. You're open to getting like, my girlfriend hates it. And you know, <laughs> like, well, you know what I mean? I, which I've received before. Um, it's probably the most important type of feedback. yeah 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 <laughs> or like my girlfriend thinks it needs to be like three-dimensional and gold you know like you know it's like okay wh where did that come from you know um it need, you know so there's that there's also the quality of the feedback so like um that's another topic actually we can transition into which is the last of these six topics around language um helping to help them shape and develop language together, um, developing sort of a shared language or bringing them into your language or you going into theirs, um, sort of like a sociological study of, of language in the studio. Um, that's part of feedback as well, because if they say like, my girlfriend thinks it should pop more or, um, you know, they think it should pop more or move this 2% to the right, like that's going to, like, I love that, right? Like I've yeah. gotten that feedback and it's like, where did that come from really? Like is moving it 2% to the right going to make what was like an okay thing, like amazing? Like, yes, but I wonder how, you know, right. is it, yeah, yeah, it might. It actually might, absolutely. Um, at least an attempt at being objective on there. Yeah, there, yeah. And then right. whether it's, whether it's, uh, you know, accurate or not is another question, I guess, but, right. um, but Hey, props for trying. Yeah. Um, so that's, I, I also, that's I mean, exactly where I want yeah, to if go. It's high ads, yeah. That's the, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of them on the grid or off. I mean, sometimes people want them off, but, uh, yeah. you know, this is exactly it. So, oh, I was thinking panning. I see what you're saying. Yeah. There's, <laughs> that too. there's a lot. Um, there you go. But yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Continue. So a client saying move something 2% to the right or make it pop or uh, give me two pieces of feedback you've received recently um, just so we can have some some language to play with. Mm -hmm. um, well, 
are we talking mix process? Are we talking production process, songwriting process? Uh, production process. Okay. Um, I'm thinking uh, claps might be cool in this bridge. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, this might be cool. Yes. I love that. That's another word that I have in the, in the book is, is sort of unhelpful words, but great. So yeah. Like, <laughs> Colby right, needs more bass. Colby has a great, <laughs> like the bass, I mean, bass, oof, bass complicated. Low end. Lots of, yeah. Aim, yeah, yeah. Low end theory. There's it, a lot. There's but, a lot. There's a lot there. Yeah, sure. More bass. Uh, like, uh, hey, can how, what do you think? Like, how do you think horns would sound here? Or like, you know, mm. this synth be more purple? I, tons of, <laughs> it's unlimited. Yeah, I it's, received a lot of feedback. I'm I'm starting to kind of write some things down. It's like, what are the patterns here, right? And it's like I wrote down more, less, or different. Like, um. There's something in in product design, digital product design, um, about different, basically like five functions that you can do. Um, sorry, four functions you can do uh, with a database, which basically means for a uh, user interface, like an app or whatever, it can only really do four things with information. So it can, uh, and they they it's called CRUD. The um, the uh, what is that? Uh, C R U D. It's like a Got the type of um, thing that is not an analogy, but you know it's like you use letters acronym. There you go. Yeah. Um, C like the UX world. Yeah, but I think it actually applies here. So create cool. right is C. R is read. It's just like take it in. Uh, mm -hmm. U is update or edit or modify, and D is delete. So okay. I think this does apply here and I'm kind of thinking about this in real time, but create is like, Hey, um, this needs, uh, I think it needs to be, I think we need to add a piano here. Um, read is like, this feels wrong. Like I'm reading it and it just doesn't feel right overall mm -hmm. update being, Hey, can we change this hi-hat pattern? Or can we move this here? Can we adjust what's already existing? And delete being like, can we get rid of the background harmony on the second verse, you know, or the reverb tail of it or whatever? Um, yeah. Does that sound about right? Are there other types of feedback yeah. or would you say they kind of fall in that group? Um, I think that covers a lot of it, at least. Yeah, I, I like it. I've never the, thought about trying to quantify categories of feedback that way but i i like where this is going systems thinkers over here yeah you're totally. right yeah i i just came up with this on the fly recalling that but um yeah i think where it goes wrong is that no one says any of those things so it's never create read update delete it's not there's no consistent language across and even in ux like there's no consistent language uh around the feedback we're giving so you know, to your point, less this, more that. I want to feel more of this. I want this to be a type of color or a type of way. Um, I want this to remind me of the ocean at this part, but the ground at this part. Um, mm -hmm. I just want to hear you riff on language for a bit, basically, um, as sort of our last topic of discussion, sort of how is it, 
how are you dealing with language in your creative process? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's very important. A lot of time, I, 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 like, <laughs> that's it. Thank everyone for joining. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just thinking about the crud. Uh, yeah. Cause yeah, I, I think that like it, everything objectively falls into those categories, but it's the language, like that almost doesn't even touch on the language. The language is kind of like above that whole concept. And it's like, if somebody says, I, I want this to, I mean, even like, Hey, can it sound more like the ocean? You can read that in a very objective or subjective way. Mm -hmm. If you're reading it in a very objective way, you might grab wave sound yeah. effects from the BBC sound effects library and right. just like slap it on there. And if you know, you're making a Lana Del Rey record about smoking weed by the beach, maybe that's the vibe. Uh, if it's someone who, I mean, you know, if it's, if you read as the, uh, as, as the interpret, if you're in the, the role of, as the interpreter of that feedback and, and you, uh, get the sense that that's not what they mean though. And they mean they want it to seem like they're in the ocean, but in a very metaphorical yeah. <laughs> way. And they don't want, they would like fire you immediately. If you put some fucking <laughs> wave sound effects in there, <laughs> then like, that's your job to interpret it and interpret that language. You know, you might, uh, you know, you might try to make it feel like you're more raucously crashing around the riptides and like swimming through uh, something that's overwhelming and that you know the the feeling being that you can't possibly overcome this thing that you're in the midst of and you need to succumb to the 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 energy of it you know it's like you can interpret that in like a million and one ways um and it's a really great piece of feedback i have not received that specific feedback until this point. So I, I love it, but that's why, that's kind of what I like. I mean, speaking, the first thing that came to mind when we started talking about this is like, and I think I like used to like mention this more and haven't really talked about in a while, which, which is cool, but like the, the role of, a, I guess, because I used to be, I used to do a lot more like, like engineering work. Uh, and, and I think that more I mean, maybe, maybe equally so just in different contexts, but a big part of the way that I viewed my engineering work is as an interpreter of language in, and this is feedback. This is, it, it can be feedback. It can be more subtle than feedback. So you're, like I said before, like you're reading into something as feedback, even when it wasn't really meant as like feedback, you know, but it's like, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're getting feedback if you're, a uh, uh, person who comes at it with the intention of reading that person's language or body language and using that as uh important kind of indicators to what you should be doing next i mean that's just like what separates that's one thing that separates someone who's just good at their job in a creative field versus someone who's not very good at their job in creative fields using those signals because language is kind of just signals um but more codified maybe or codified into ways that we're more trained to read or understand or interpret so um yeah like i think my a big part of my uh the way that i went about 
engineering and, and especially engineering, but it's also present in everything else I do, but like is, is kind of like interpreting language, almost like a translator. Like I used to tell people specifically, mm-hmm. please don't try to use technical language. Please don't try to tell me, uh, you know, what frequency you want me to boost in your vocals. Like I'd much rather, if it, unless it's someone who has those skills, you know, but if it's someone who uh, doesn't, and I can get the sense that they don't really, it's not natural for them to communicate in those ways. I would specifically and, and like directly tell them, don't try to do that for my benefit. You know, right. I, it's my job to interpret your language and that's mm-hmm. what, that's mm-hmm. how we're going to get to the, uh, the best end goal, I think is by, um, you communicating however it feels to you and then me interpreting that in the way that I think is, uh, applicable to the medium, et cetera. You know, the way that like, if you tell me the, the vocals are too bright, then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take that and, and I'll use it. If you tell me you want it to sound more like you're at Madison square garden, mm-hmm. I'll take that and I'll do it. Right. I'd much rather that than like, and even that's pretty objective, but you know, the, the compared to like, uh, Hey, you know, can you put a 45 millisecond delay on that and have that sent to like a ping pong that's like, you know, on the first hit the left at 20 seconds, mm. 20 milliseconds and the right at like 35, you know, it's like, if that's your skill set and that's your language, okay, but mm. don't do that for my benefit. Right. Know, right. My job. Right. I almost like when people do that but th- there's a lot of like uh there's a lot of um interesting uh kind of like like subjectivity around that too because we're in a uh, time when people know a lot more about that for better or for worse because they have those tools more readily accessible and i appreciate that i mean i never would have gotten into that world if i didn't have that probably because i wasn't like going up the traditional studio ladder to become a skilled engineer. That's not the path I took. I took a very DIY, uh, you know, millennial era path to learning these things. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, that's my take on language there, but then in the production world, um, uh, like it's, it's a way to it's just a way to, it's a tool to collaborate better. You know, mm. Mm. it's languages should just be, cause ultimately like I'm not in the room to win any arguments. Like we were talking about early, early in this talk, like the, um, um, like just disagreements in general. Like, you know, if I have, if I say like, I, 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 I try not to, but like, I am recalling the, like, you know, I think this line could be better. You know, it's like, I'm not there to, ultimately this isn't my thing. It's a little bit mm. my thing, but it's, it's far and away their thing. Mm. And ultimately my job isn't to impose my feelings on it. My, my job is to bring it out of them as the artist. Mm. Um, and you know, the, the language is just a, a tool to make sure we both understand it. Cause if I'm interpreting something as not as good as it can be, you know, 
maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but what is right or wrong? Yeah, I'd, I'd much rather just come, I'd much rather just have us both fully understand mm. what it means and just get to a, get to the place where it, it most, it, it's most clearly communicating what it wants to be, the art itself, so that the people who are going to, so that both the, the artist is thrilled about it. And also that the, the people who are going to be listening to it um, and, and living by it in some cases are uh, going to gonna get the truest, you know, get the feeling out of it that I think that the artist is intending. Right. I, I love what you said, uh, codified signals, that language and words are codified signals. And that you also said they're a tool to collaborate better. Um, I think both of those are absolutely true. I think oftentimes we see language as like these daggers being thrown our way, um, especially in a feedback context or something like that. But this idea of language being these codified signals and these tools that you harness, like any tool, you know, like the, the, the first hammer or something, the arrowhead, um, there are tools to facilitate an outcome, um, at the most dictionary esque, uh, way of describing it, but they really are. Um, the problem with them is that they're codified. It's meant like the tool is meant to signal something, right? It's meant to signal. Ultimately it is meant to just provide feedback of some way, either like I'm neutral, I'm good or I'm bad, you know, somewhere or anywhere in between. Um, but the fact that it's codified and means it requires decoding, uh, and that's where things get messy, as you said, uh, in the creative process, but honestly, I think in all communication, um, yeah. so I think it's really interesting. I think in terms of, you know, how that gets interpreted, I'm obviously going to sit with this and, and, and codify it into the book, but, um, you know, I think in terms of how to uh, use this in your practice is like knowing like what is being, uh, what are you interpreting is being codified in the language that's being used? Is it create, read, update, delete? Is it one of those? Is it like, I'm upset and I'm not even giving feedback. I'm just expressing an emotion uh, and sort of as a producer, especially, um, but really as any human being you're relating to any other human being, trying to get to that decoded state of language is, is definitely an aim. Um, hopefully that summarizes where you're, we're going with that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I have one more question. Um, you can take a, a pause to, to think about it. You don't need to, to answer right away, but what does a book on creativity, on managing creativity, on navigating creativity, on the topics that I'm writing about? Um, what does a book look like to you? What does an effective book look like? Or is there a topic that you think um, even would be uh, really useful for creative people? And it could be anything from like, and this is uh, practicing feedback, right? It could be anything from like form factor and tone to like topics and like, you know, uh, topics, categories. Yeah. Well, I think it ultimately, 
like this might not be the answer you're looking for, but ultimately like it completely depends on a, <clears throat> what that person is looking for in what, based on like probably what their skills are and what they're trying to get better at. Mm. Um, so I can tell you what applies to me, but then the other side of it is like, ultimately, and this one I think is probably more important. Um, if I'm reading a book in a less directed way that like, I want to like learn, like, you know, it's not like, like, uh, EQ for dummies or something. It's like, if I'm reading a book, that's like, like this, which is a more general, uh, representation of, a uh, creativity, um, and less like specific task oriented, it is probably just what the author is most inspired by or feels like writing. So <laughs> I just, honestly, I, I, and I'll read anything you write. So <laughs> you got my Kindle order there, but like the, um, <laughs> please Thank put it out on Kindle too. I'm, I'm, I'm all digital these days. Um, but no, I think it's just like what you, um, what you want to talk about because it's going to come through in, in all the writing. It's like, you know, the, the things that you are like, ultimately, I think that's why we read books or follow people on social media or anything. It's just like, we're just interested in their story. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't tell you what I want or think that I need to learn because, you know, there's a billion books out there. Right. I can do a search and find that thing if I wanted to, but I'm going to read your book because I want to read your book. Right. Love that. Um, well, with that, thank you. Um, I really appreciate all of the feedback you've given. Um, I'm going to sit with a lot of this, a lot of these uh, really messy notes that I took today. Um, and you inspired me, by the way. I got, I got moon notebooks. Oh, sick. I, my handwriting is so bad. I haven't written anything by hand in millennia, but, uh, <laughs> there is something to it. Yeah. It kind of allows me to flow from point to point. Um, and you know, like I started the page three ideas on three themes on one side, three on the other. And so I figured there'd be enough room to kind of put notes, but then you started drawing connections between things and it's just easier um, to do that with a pen than it is to do with a Google document or something. Um, something I have found digitally is, uh, mind mapping tools. Um, on the Mac, there's an app called iThoughts that I use. That's actually how I'm organizing the book right now. I could give you a little preview of sort of what the book looks like. Would love to, yeah. So this is like the shape of the book right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so it has like, these are our introduction, this is um, section one in all the categories, section two, section three in all the categories. This is, um, uh, these are some just general ideas I had. So this is like how to market is right here. This mm -hmm. is Alan. These are example books that I wanna reference. This is um, content ideas um, for like content to promote on social media. Um, this is about how to get the tone. Can I speak this out? It says interview style, give a PowerPoint about this topic and then like code it into the book. Then this is, um, for the work section, 
um, I was like, how do I want to organize this section right here? So like another map that was like, is it based on hard skills and soft skills or hierarchy of some sort or the order I learned it? So it just like kind of allows me to like throw ideas in that's systematized, but freeform enough. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's sort of how I'm mapping uh, the book. It feels more organic. I started in a Google doc and like, it just became unwieldy. Like when I'm trying to, you know, group chapters together and group themes together, like cutting and pasting bullet points and then the formatting get on, getting all fucked, like was not an ideal scenario. So like now I can like, if I have like a subsection of a subsection and I'm like, oh, you know what? That looks better in this category. I literally just click and drag it and then it's now in that category. And cool. It's like a digital wall of post-it notes. Yeah, exactly. And like so I have a it piece that doesn't wear off. I have a whiteboard right here. Um, let me see if I can rotate the camera. So this is actually uh, the whiteboard over there. All of that is um, the notes uh, for this talk. I was like, okay, cool. What do I? Want? You know, I love this shit. If if let me edit my last answer. There's one thing that I would specifically love to see. It's like. Uh, you know, separate from all of the like in the weeds talk about creativity. It's just like the way that you organize your thoughts on it. Maybe it's a different book. Who knows? I don't know. But yeah. I would love yeah. to see, cause I'm just like very brand new at doing this. You know, yeah. I haven't done this. I've been on the Apple notes app and like multiple to-do list apps and everything for so long because I'm yeah. like such a objective. Like I, 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 I'm digital. Like I said, with the Kindle, like, you know, I, I just like, I'm all in on that, but then that went full circle a little bit. And this is feeling really good to just put pen to, to paper a little bit. So just like seeing how you organize that is really interesting. It's like the, um, I think Seinfeld just put out a book where mm -hmm. he just like released his notes. And I, I think that's really cool. I haven't read it or checked it out yet, but I, I want to, cause I, I, I love seeing the way that people's minds work in like a systematic organization kind of yeah. fashion um where so, they yeah, i would love to see yeah. um, what where they found the homeostasis in their own process or mind you should uh check out the tim ferris interview with uh seinfeld it's a I, yeah one. it's amazing i love it yeah easily one of the best episodes of his in a while um, it was the first episode that i listened to of tim ferris and it was a great great intro to what he's doing oh nice okay oh wait was did I send that to you? Now that I think about it, maybe. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't want to take credit for it. But um, so if you want me to riff a little bit of around kind of- oh, and, and real quick, Darius, I'm going to check that that app out or the whatever what you said was a, the sound map, every Ooh. noise at once. I'm going to check that out. Sound map. That sounds awesome. Thanks yep. for uh, every shout that out. At once. Anyone on the chat right now or watching the video, Every noise at once is an amazing sound map for producers as well. That sounds really cool. I didn't know that existed. Yeah, um, yeah I don't even know what that means, but I'm gonna <laughs> look it up. Yeah, and like it out. it's throwing in tracks, and that that's really mm -hmm. cool. Um, nice. Yeah, in terms of how I organize, and I don't really believe that I've cracked the code. It's it's kind of this continual thing that's always in process. Is um, I have like sort of a subset of tools. Um, so I have a calendar. I have ClickUp. So I have Apple Calendar, which syncs with Google Calendar, which is a nightmare sometimes. But Calendar, uh, ClickUp for, for task, uh, kind of 
just keeping them in a place. Is that the one that's really video gamey and like has this, the cool special effects or am I thinking of a different one? I think it's a different one. Okay. Uh, but basically they're, they're all getting the same. They basically have like different views. So you have a Trello board or you have like a spreadsheet view or a calendar view mm-hmm. or an chart view. So what I like about ClickUp is like, I could put a list of tasks, but then view them in different ways. Uh, based on metadata, you tag on the, the Omni world ones. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I have ClickUp for task management, just to remember it calendar for the day-to-day tasks. And I just view ClickUp and then I schedule time in my calendar based on that stuff, but it allows me to kind of manage longer term tasks without needing to throw it in the calendar or forget. Um, yep. Then there's um, the um, mind mapping tool, iThoughts, which are for when my, um, when my thoughts can't be captured, really shouldn't be captured in a notebook anymore, uh, need to be formalized, but not too formal. So it's right in between. When the idea is still taking shape, uh, mind map, then into Google Docs, or sometimes back and forth between the two. And then notes for me are at the beginning phase. So it's like, I view things in, in this shaping frame. So like shaping a piece of clay into like a model, right? So like an early idea, it goes in my note. Anytime I'm FaceTiming someone or anything, I have a notebook. And I'll just write down different ideas and topics and whatever. And then if it's, I think the key here is funneling it somewhere. So like I was taking lots of notes for years. I mean, this book's filled, but I had no place to put them. That's why I came up with this idea for a book. So a uh, notebook, having a funnel of... <laughs> You're like, that's why I'm writing a book because I didn't know what to do with my notes. Yeah, yeah. I need a place for them to go. That's awesome. I had, I had really excellent conversations with people <laughs> and I'm like, this is going to waste. Like, I, I'm yeah. not going to look at this notebook again. Like, let me really honor the conversations that I'm having and the ideas that are coming up and like all these brilliant moments that people are are saying, you know, um, one so that I remember it and reinforce it, but then the world benefits from the work that I've done in my life. You know what I mean? So yeah, like yep. early on, FaceTimes into the notebook, notebook into a um, mind mapping tool, mind mapping tool into uh, Google Docs. Um, notes I kind of use as like a scrap version of a Google Doc. If I'm like doing yep. a quick riff, but I want it to be like on my phone, I need to access it, I'll use that. And then yep. whiteboarding is like this, it's sort of like a temporal note where I'm like, I don't, I'm not really gonna need this information like later, like I don't need to know like the topics I wanna riff on with you uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow. Um, but so, but I was like, as I'm like pacing around my apartment, I'll just like, oh yeah, I should talk about this and that. So the whiteboard's really helpful. And it's like, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but it's basically a sticker that's a whiteboard mm-hmm. in front. So you could stick it right onto the wall. I actually painted an entire, a giant stripe down all of the, the Studio yeah. B wall, like the entire length of the room. Like word paint, like five yeah. layers of it. And, but honestly, I, I don't love it because it's uh, just, if you're doing that on drywall, it's like there's a little, little too many like nooks and crannies, a little too hard to erase. So right. I kind of like, in theory, that was, great idea, great concept, but like in practice, it's not the best. Maybe if you like plaster the wall first and get it yeah. smoother. Um, but so yeah, whiteboard is actually me. I like the idea. I don't use it. Sorry. Um, oh, the brand who makes that. Yeah. 
post-it brand. And it's like, uh, I don't know. I bought the largest one I possibly could to sit on this wall. Uh, probably, that's just a way better version of the white. Like, if you're washing, just get that. Don't do the whiteboard paint. Yeah. I've only <laughs> heard, it was I've a heard huge weird bitch. things about it. I've heard weird things about the whiteboard paint. Like you have to keep yeah. reapplying it over time and it doesn't always erase. But at least with this, I'm like, I'm moving, right? I'm just going to pull right off the wall and yeah. walk um, better. Just do that. I'm probably, I'll, I'll maybe just get a giant roll of that and just put it right over my paint job. Yeah. Probably better off. Um, yeah. but yeah, whiteboarding is a huge function. I'm going, so I'm leaving, uh, I'm actually in the middle of packing my entire apartment. Um, and I'm heading down to San Diego for a month and I'm doing a road trip across country, uh, but I'm bringing whiteboard with me. <laughs> I literally have a skateboard and whiteboard next to each other. And today I realized that they both end in board. And was like, there's something there. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to make a whiteboard skateboard. That'd be um, cool. Or I guess. Yeah, the bottom can totally be a whiteboard. Yeah, whiteboard skateboard. I love that. And it's all one word, whiteboard skateboard. Yeah. Just because. Not a, not a white skateboard. No. Um, definitely not. <laughs> um, I love so, this. This shit is like. Honestly, this is like porn for me talking, you know, this about me, like the, the systems that we all use to like get yeah. these, uh, thoughts, you know, it's it, that and like everyday carry, you know, this whole oh, yeah. thing. I've launched that. They're like, yeah. <laughs> um, very systems thinker porn for sure. Yeah. I, I uh, I really like the app things I've used. Yeah. I've, I've like tried a bunch of those. I, I used mm -hmm. to do the Omni. One, which like in theory is cool because it does the whole like Gantt chart and like different thing, but things is just a way simpler version of that. And it was just, the other one was getting a little too nerdy for me. So I, I switched to things. And I really like it. Um, and it has some nice like Siri integration and all that. So I, I, I like that it's kind of like Apple notification or Apple, is it notifications? Their native to-do list app. Oh, uh, Whatever that is. Yeah. It's not notifications. It's uh something. Yeah. So whatever that is, it's yeah. like that on steroids. Um, right. And let's reminders. Like do reminders. reminders. Yeah, yeah. Which uh yeah, one day they'll probably make that better. But um They're getting close. But yeah, yeah. Um, I was using things for a minute. My I stopped using them when I got into this whole security uh wormhole of like, okay, mm -hmm. like what's what secure apps. I found that I believe they are selling the data in the to-dos because I would no push shit. it my to-dos that were like super random and then I would get ads for them. Like wow. I was like, all right, that's, that's not cool. So they're just selling, they're profiting off of my anxiety. Yeah. You're saying? Yes. Somebody, somebody out there is like, why people oh my buy. gosh, why is this like, I get me out of this person's mind. <laughs> He's like, Jesus. he really needs 10 dildos like right now, this week. <laughs> Why are they all like tagged like by color and by like sight? It's like, this person needs to get a life. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't need a dildo. He needs a life. <laughs> um, well, dude, thanks again. Um, and nice for everyone that stayed for the after party conversation. Um, <laughs> the addendum, the nerd addendum. You've really, uh, really added a lot to uh, the book and the, and the progress and the process of it, uh, and the perspective of it. So thank you for joining. Oh my God, that means so much. That's amazing. Thank you for having me. This is a blast. Um, we'll have to do it again. Yeah, man. Talk soon. Peace.